0: This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. You'd probably shudder if I said it, but this is the second last fresh thinking before Yomtev. How's that for a thought? It's just crept up. or well, maybe it hasn't crept up. Maybe it's hit you square between the eyes. Welcome aboard. It's Thursday afternoon. It's Fresh Thinking time with Rabbi Shishla. And as we do every week, we are going to explore and think a little bit out of the box. So I'd like to invite you on board to be part of the journey, part of the conversation. There are A whole bunch of ways that you can connect. You can SMS at any time on 34519. You can send a message via Telegram on 0618951019. You can email on air at chaifm.com. You can tweet at chaifm or directly to me at Rabashish. You can call the studio on 0101403020. Now that you've got that all, let me tell you the good news. The good news is there's all kinds of exciting stuff happening here at the High FM studios, a lot of expansion, innovative, new elements coming into the entire setup. I want to say a big shker to Kathy for constantly growing the vision of Chai FM. It's definitely something very special. And on a personal note, our entire message system is now a lot more streamlined, so... Just don't use WhatsApp. We're done. We, we we no longer use WhatsApp on this show. But if you want to SMS or email or tweet or send a telegram message, like I say, the whole message center right now is a lot more streamlined. So go ahead. Send a message. This is your opportunity to wave and say hello and say, testing, testing. Does this thing work? Obviously we'd love as always. To hear your views and input So I've been thinking a lot About the fact that Rosh Hashanah is very Very much around the corner It's uh, It's quite something How quickly Rosh Hashanah creeps up I always tell people after Pesach is over Don't don't think you've got a long time. It's going to come quickly. Roshana's is going to come quickly. And I've been speaking to a lot of people over the last few days and just uh, where people's heads are at and the preparation and getting into the right headspace. And, and that's what I thought we should speak about today. And I'm inviting your insight into this. If you've got something, even before we get the conversation going, but if you've got something to say, what do you think, what would your advice be, maybe based on your own experience or an observation that you have about the community? And everybody's got something to share, that's for sure. What would you you suggest to somebody who would like to get into the right headspace ahead of Rosh Hashanah? What would you tell them at this time of the year? Something, a piece of advice, something that they can do, something they can read. Can you suggest, can anybody here recommend a good prep book to read or a great podcast to download or a website that you should visit or a sheer that you have to hear or a methodology, something. Everybody's got something that they would use to get themselves in gear for Rosh Hashanah. So please go ahead and share that. I think it's great. If you found a resource that was meaningful to you, it's wonderful to be able to share that with somebody else. Now, that's one side of the, of the, of the equation. Just simply, you know, throwing out resources and saying, try this, do that, read that. And perhaps it will help you to get where you have to get to for Rosh Hashanah. But I had a somewhat different thought, somewhat different thought. And and it's part of the whole conversation. So go ahead. If If you've got those resources, please do share them with us. I'm always looking for something interesting, something inspiring, something a little bit different. And I'm sure most people are as well. What I'm thinking about is this, you know, we, we do live, and, and I, I think you'll agree with me, we live very frenetic lifestyles. There's a tremendous amount of stress going on in our lives. We rush, rushing from here to there. Very likely right now you're listening to this in your car. And if you are in your car, then you are probably at this point just a little bit edgy, not only because of the traffic, but also because you've probably got to get from point A to point B and maybe shuttle somebody from this Maybe from school to their appointment or whatever the case is. And I feel that we do that a lot. Moving, here, there, going, this appointment, that meeting, this email, that WhatsApp. It, it just doesn't stop. It feels like it doesn't stop. And do, do, do you have that experience? I mean, think about it this way. Not long ago, not long ago, 25 years, it's not long. There was no concept of somebody getting into bed at night and still checking up on things related to work. I mean, it didn't happen. And today it's almost the most normal thing in the world. You, people get into, into bed at night and there they've got their phone with them. They're still checking and possibly replying to emails or, or looking things up online or whatever the case is. It's quite something when you think about just how frenetic our lifestyle is. We're not good with downtime. I mean, we have our certain periods, you know, comes December and to a certain extent we power down. Not fully because we still carry the gadgetry around with us, maybe just at a slower pace. We're still uploading to social media. So in this fast-paced, heavy, stressful kind of an environment that we live in, I often think that we don't get much opportunity unless it's a very big issue in our lives. We don't get much opportunity to really prepare ourselves before we hit many of the things that come up. On the calendar So if you've got a family simcha let's say Let's say that you were celebrating a wedding Or a bar mitzvah Then you would You would, you would spend a lot of time in prep And you'd plan And you'd meet with uh, the, the caterer And with the people at the venue And with the florist and, and a whole bunch of service providers And you would sit and you would do tastings And you would choose things And you would select So by the time you got to the actual wedding There was so much build up or the bar mitzvah, there'd be so much build-up. A person's, please God, expecting a baby. There's so much build-up. You're looking, this kind of pram which uh, brand of, of of clothing do I want to get? Maybe you want to create a little bit of a, a, a wish list for your friends to, to, to see. Maybe there'll be a baby shower. There's trips, there's antenatal classes, there's trips to the doctor. There are all kinds of things that build this anticipation. So by the time you hit the event, You've been priming for it for such a long time that it becomes really meaningful and very powerful and quite central in your life. But outside of those life-changing events, most of the ordinary things that happen in our lives just happen as they come. I think in the business world, obviously, a person would have to prepare ahead of an important meeting and trying to put together a deal or something like that. But many of the things that happen in our lives, we know they're there. They're on our calendar. They're kind of in our peripheral vision, somewhere down on the edge of the horizon. But until it's right in front of our faces, we're so caught up with all the other stuff, we don't have the luxury of paying attention to what's coming. And as a result of that, very often what comes... Just hits us in such a way, it's like, oh, this is here now. Okay, quickly switch modes. Let's try and get into that mode and try and make the best of that particular situation. So by way of example, next Tuesday is a public holiday. Now I know that that in itself is a sense it causes a whole lot of stress for for a a big segment of the Jewish community because we were losing enough days of work as it is. Over the next month, between all the yomim tovim that are coming, all the chagim that are coming, you know, you got two days off for Rosh Hashanah, and then you've got Yom Kippur, which is at least a day because you probably take off half the day before, and then you've got two days at the beginning of Sukkot, and you've got two days at the end for Shmini Atiras and Simchas Teres. It's a lot of time off from whatever it is that you feel that you need to achieve. And this year was a leap year on the Jewish calendar, so all the yomim Yom, Yom tovim are later, and everything is really close to the end of the year, so there's pressure and there's deadlines, and it's it's very hectic. So next week, there's a public holiday. I don't know how many people have weeks long in advance plan for the public holiday unless you decided to go away and make a long weekend of it but for anybody who's not going away the public holiday is just going to pop up so to speak on the calendar and then you're going to say okay today's the day 24th of, um, of September Heritage Day boom what are we going to do today maybe you've got something scheduled but even if you have something scheduled it's pretty much in the diary more, more than it is in your mind and I think a similar thing happens with Rosh Hashanah as well Rosh Hashanah it's in the diary there's no question about it 29th of September that night is Rosh Hashanah and from that you're going to go into the two days and it's there it's on the calendar and you probably have your arrangements organized who you either you're hosting or who you're going to as a guest and, and that's it it's on the calendar but when you arrive there on the day it's quite likely that uh, most of us will have the experience of okay now I'm here what do I have to do again how do I switch how do I turn off all the voices in my head all the noise all the buzz how do I click into this experience and that's actually what I'd like to hear from people today not just something that you can share that's inspiring but what advice would you give to somebody how to get yourself into a good headspace so that you don't just suddenly hit Rosh Hashanah like a, a fly hitting the windscreen and say oh, I'm, I'm here what do I do now so what, what are your thoughts on that what do your advice be on that, 34519. If you're going to send us an SMS, tweet at Chai FM or tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. Send a message on Telegram 61 This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. It is interesting how people become very philosophical, um, as is often the case when you speak about things like how do you prepare yourself for Yom Tov, how do you prepare yourself for Rosh Hashanah? My, but my, I'm being a little bit more specific of here Because I do suspect that uh, by nature, just simply by nature of the way that we live our lives And it's so frenetic and so busy and there's so many distractions By the time we hit Rosh Hashanah, I don't know if we know That we are in the, the right headspace or even how to get there So that's what we're talking about today How do you get yourself into the right headspace? What should you be doing? And I suppose a big part of that question will revolve around uh, what This month, this is the month of Elul And somehow or another The month of Elul is supposed to prepare us For Rosh Hashanah So if we get a handle on what Elul is all about It's going to help It's definitely going to help So that might need to be where we start the conversation But it's something practical I think it's practical Because at the end of the day It's something that relates to all of us We are all going to be at Shul on Rosh Hashanah To some or another extent we are all going to be engaged with the experience of uh, preparing ourselves, uh, of connecting, of hearing the shofar, of starting all these various things. So so how, how do we get out of this chaos, out of this turmoil of the world that we live in for just long enough to be able to focus our minds? Here's somebody, I don't even know how you pronounce his name, but here's somebody who says, that the suggestion is how do you get into the correct headspace for Rosh Hashanah with good orderly direction, and they say that good orderly direction is and uh, is abbreviated as G O D, God. God. So that's nice. Good orderly direction. I think it's, it's nice. It's conceptual. It's a little bit, just a little bit too theoretical for me. I'm not quite sure exactly what a person means when they say good orderly direction. I'm also not sure how you get that in today's world because it feels like we're a little bit all over the place. It feels like we're literally running from one thing to the next and th- uh, consistently being interrupted by, by things that beep and things that pop up on screens and have all kinds of expectations of us. So, it's 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 certainly a challenge. I mean, it's very nice for a person to say, "Find good order." Was that the, the expression? Good, orderly direction. Find yourself good orderly direction. Okay, I, I, I like that a lot. In in theory, I'm not entirely sure what. You are supposed to do with that Okay, let's see if other people have thoughts about this Maybe another way to phrase the question would be When you talk about the month of Elul What is it? What is the month of Elul all about? What does it represent? What are you supposed to be doing? What should we be doing at this time of the year? Are we supposed to I think most people will will come back with one word Right? If you had to put into one word Let's try that If you had to put into one word What Elul is all about Because Elul is the prep for Rosh Hashanah you to put it into one word. What would that one word be? 34519. Send us an SMS. What would that one word be? I'm curious about uh Telegram, if uh, if it's that popular and if people are are using it. But uh, if you do have Telegram, it's a great way to relate to us. 061-895-1019. Just one word. What would the one word be that represents Elul for you? That's a very cute tweet that somebody has sent. He says, call Rabashish. He has the best recipe for headspace. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be recipe or receipt. I'm not sure because it uh, seems like a bit of an auto text over there. But uh, that's very kind. That's very kind. Uh, I think that's exactly what I'm doing right now is crowdsourcing. Exactly the answer to that question. What should we be doing? How do you get into a good headspace for Rosh Hashanah, especially considering how much of our headspace is occupied by all kinds of things? Here, Goodness says, ask somebody what the correct headspace is to them. Well, that's... That's a bit, again, I I don't know about that. If you ask a person what would you consider to be a good headspace, I don't know if everybody knows what they really need to have. They can say, I'm not in a good headspace right now. That's fine. But does everybody know what it is to be, what they aspiring towards? I'm not saying in a good headspace in the generic sense, I'm saying in the Rosh Hashanah sense. Many people will tell you, I'm in a good headspace, I'm feeling confident, I'm feeling good about myself, that's great. It's not necessarily related specifically to the Rosh Hashanah preparation. So how do you get yourself into a good space for Rosh Hashanah preparation? What's the one word? What would you say is the one word that represents Elul, because Elul is the month of prep for Rosh Hashanah. If we can distill it into one word, maybe that helps us to know what it is that we're supposed to be doing in order to prepare ourselves For this great, big, incredible opportunity that is called Rosh Hashanah. Uh, here's, uh, here's another one. Okay, we'll leave that one for now. Even though it's it's, it's quite cute, but I, I, I don't know if it's for now. So what do you think? What do we do? How do we get to have the right headspace for us, Uh It's interesting, I really thought that people would find it uh, Quite tempting to send in a message uh, One word of what Elul is all about, so I did ask this question To a group of people earlier today And we actually came back with two words, well two different people Suggested two words, one person Suggested that Elul in one word Is reflection, and the other, perp- the other Person suggested that Elul In one word is preparation And they're both accurate, actually, if you think about it They're both accurate, because it's a funny time Of the year this, on the one hand on the Jewish calendar, this is the last month of the year. We're about to have our new year next, uh, well, just over a week's time. We're going to have our new year, Rosh Hashanah. So this is the last month of the current year. And if it's the last month, then it's a very apt time for a person to reflect. Okay, so what was this year like? You know, in the, in the secular environment, we all know that when it comes towards the end of December, many of the media shows have a recap of the year. What were the big stories of this year? What were the, who were the victors? Who were the losers in various areas of life this year? What were the major innovations of this year? You know, we all do that. That's the way it is. And in, in business, when it comes to the end of the financial year, you look back and you say, well, what were the highlights of the financial year? Where were, where, where did we struggle? In the same exact way, this is the time of the year, we're coming towards the end of the year and you reflect back and you think, well, how did this year go? And what were the, what were my successes? What were my failures? What were my missteps? Uh, you probably also think about events, certain events that this was like a special time during the course of this year. There was a simcha in our family. There was a particular event that happened in the Jewish world that I was so proud of or something that I saw that filled my heart. It's a time also to think, I suppose, about people who may have past in this year and to think about what they meant to us and who they were. So on the one hand there's a tremendous element of reflection that logically has to be at this time of the year. It's the it's the end of the year. It's the it's the time when we're winding down and not just winding down because we're about to zoom ourselves up and rev ourselves up again on Rosh Hashanah, but it's certainly a time for reflection on the one hand. And on the other hand, we're told that Elul is a time of preparation because for us, Rosh Hashanah is, is not just marking off another year on the calendar and, you know, fireworks and have a great time. But for us, Rosh Hashanah is an incredibly serious time when we focus and we try and generate new energy for the coming year and new brachas, blessings for the coming year. So, in order to do all of that, you've got to prepare accordingly. So that's, that's exactly what we're talking about today. You know, how do you prepare yourself accordingly? That by the time you get to Rosh Hashanah, you've got this thing running on all pistons and, and ready to maximize the opportunity. So preparation is good, but it doesn't necessarily help us. Now, many people will tell you, well, the reflection will relate to the preparation. So when you reflect on the past year, you reflect on where in your spiritual growth, where in your life generally, did you maybe step out of line, fail, drop your standards, and then think, so based on that, I need to prepare for the coming year. And the key word that I was really hoping that somebody was going to send in as the word of Elul would be the word Teshuvah. teshuva, right? And Maybe that's where we should start our conversation. How do you do teshuvah? If you had to advise somebody, I'm not looking for a definition. now. definition of teshuvah is return to God. So if you had to d- advise somebody on how do you go about doing teshuvah, what would you tell them? Maybe just a couple of steps, a couple of steps. How do you do teshuvah? What are the key elements? Love to hear those thoughts. Three, four, five, one, nine. You can send an SMS and you can also tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish, you can send a telegram message 0618951019. Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper have these pocket saving sweet deals just for you. Pick and Pay Kosher Raisin Rib is 149 Rand 99 per kilo. Pick and Pay Kosher Fresh Whale Chicken at a very low 69.99 per kilo. Pick and Pay Kosher Lamb Riblets are only 129 per kilo. Pick and Pay Kosher Beef Burgers are 89 Rand per kilo. And Pick and Pay Frozen Pet Petite hake fillets are only 69 rand 99 per kilo catch these and many more specials in store these specials are exclusive to pick and pay norwood hyper and only while stocks lasts Last, pick and pay hypernoid is the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. It's just uh, halfway, halfway through the show. If you've just joined in, you are with Rabbi Shishler until three p.m. Talking today, fresh thinking as we always do. The particular conversation today is around. Today's conversation is around preparing for Rosh Hashanah. There is so much noise in our heads. How do we get ourselves into the right headspace that we don't just arrive on the day and try to switch channels at the last minute, you know, come in, switch off the phone, change into a suit, go to shul, and then just think it's going to hit you. It's uh, it's nice, it would be nice if that happened, but I don't think that that's really what happened. what happens. So we're talking about how do you prepare, how do you get yourself into the right headspace, and by extension, The question is not just how to get yourself into the right headspace, but the question is also, what does this word teshuva really mean? Here's a nice thought. Somebody says, it's a love story. Rosh Hashanah, I'm assuming, is a love story. Do you know the subway story with a guy who falls in love, loses the girl, etc.? It helps explain such a beautiful way of looking at Rosh Hashanah. Okay, nice. So, um, a love story, Rosh Hashanah. Is that how you get into the right headspace? So, who are we? Are we the uh, are we the the girl who was lost, or the guy who lost the girl? <laughs> it's quite interesting as a metaphor for understanding what Rosh Hashanah is. So, what is teshuvah? I think many people will tell you, teshuvah is repentance. Even though the best translation and the most direct translation of teshuvah is to return. But we understand what it is. It's, it's, it's to reflect where I went wrong in my life or where I could have done better. By the way, teshuva is not only about digging up the dirt on ourselves and saying, this is where I failed, this is where I failed, this is where I beat my chest, beat my chest. It's also about you know, looking at ourselves and saying, you know, here was an area where I could have done a lot better. And uh, maybe this coming year I should do a lot better, right? That would be a, a wonderful, a wonderful thing if I could. It would be a wonderful thing if I could do better. So uh, to to that point, I think a lot of people believe that Teshuvah is very, very overwhelming. So one second. So you're telling me I have to do Teshuvah for all the stuff that happened this past year, and that's how I'm going to get into the right headspace for Rosh Hashanah. So basically what you're telling me is I have to reflect back and think of all these different things that happened during the course of the past year and keep some kind of a list This is where I did well. That's where I did not do so well. So last year, December, my uh, I was I was on holiday, so my whole standard of Judaism might have slipped a little bit. But let's be more specific. I I didn't daven with the same kind of focus that I normally do, or maybe I I don't know, whatever it is. And then in March, on the third of March at four o'clock, I mean, who remembers this kind of thing? You know, we're we're poor at this. We don't necessarily even remember what happened to us yesterday. We might even not even remember what happened to us today. So how is it feasible? How is it realistic to go back and to have this major sifting through all the stuff of our life to try and reflect on it and based on that to try and improve ourselves? Sounds quite onerous, right? And it also gives the, 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 the implication. I mean, it, it's it's basically a, an impossible task. There's, there's no way that a person is going to be able to do this. Sometimes in Judaism it does feel that we are challenged to do things that seem impossible to do. And here's one of them. To reflect at the end of the year on everything that happened in the past year and then based on that to do an audit of our spiritual achievements and based on that map a way forward sounds very, very overwhelming. So if you consider that we've got 11 days from now until Rosh Hashanah <laughs> and we're expected to do, to do all of this work, you know, just to be able to clear the slate before we start the new year so we can start on a fresh footing, then wow, 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 we're overwhelmed enough as it is. We have enough stress on our head as it is. We find it difficult as it is to prepare for what's coming the next day because today is just so overwhelming. What on earth am I supposed to do? And that's, that's a, a, that's a big challenge. That's a big challenge that we have to think about in a very honest way at this time of the year. Here's somebody else who says, you have to find what gives you meaning, what drives you, what makes you smile on the inside. And then if you can tap into that, follow those thoughts and feelings and you'll get into the right headspace. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting about that is sometimes You know, very often we say that to people, very often we say, follow, like, get in touch with yourself, see what resonates with you, see what makes you come to life. Sometimes, unfortunately, the things that make people come to life are not necessarily the things that are best for them. So it's a very good point, and I think that it's something that we should actually uh, put into this mix, if you want to get, get yourself into Rosh Hashanah mode, if you want to be in the right headspace, if you want to cut through all the chaos and actually be focused, so then it's definitely going to have to be something that is alive. There are so many things competing for our attention. I recently heard a statistic, and it blew my mind absolutely, a statistic by a, uh, a guy in the States, and he was saying that the amount of information that streams in our direction on a daily basis is the equivalent of 170 newspapers worth of information. There's so much going on all the time. The phone is beeping. The emails are flying. There are billboards on the road. There's people telling us information. We're listening to the radio. We're downloading things. We have podcasts. We're just so, so overwhelmed with information. So to cut through all of that noise and to just have like the serenity in our own heads to say, where do I live? Where do I live? That would be a good place to start as a preparation for Rosh Hashanah. Where do I live? This is not a question of what do I do? What are the things that I do? Sometimes we're better at that, listing the things that I do. You know, how often do you find this, that you speak to somebody and they say, but, but I think I'm a good person. Well, I should hope so. It's quite normal for people to think they're good people. It doesn't mean that you have an objective con- uh, in- insight into who you really are. And you might very well be a good person. But it's not an objective insight. It's not a a true reflection. It's a generic throwaway. I'm a good person. What do you mean? I I, I would never steal. I was talking to somebody the other day and he said, you know, people always say that morality or or values or uh, ethics can be so subjective. You know, a person will say, I would never steal. I would never steal. But if you actually look at it objectively – it's not that simple. There are all kinds of things that people steal. No, I mean, we're not talking about robbing a bank. We're not talking about walking into a shopping mall and threatening to bomb the place if you don't get money. This happened the other day in uh, Menland. So, but, but, but there are other ways that we steal. Maybe we, I don't know, people walk out of hotels with all kinds of little things that they decided they're going to take, help themselves to a towel. I paid for this. Or people might cheat a little bit on their taxes or people might, uh, I don't know. There's so many different examples. So when we say I'm a good person, that we're effectively talking about the things that we do. I do good things. I visit the sick. I give charity. I pray every day. I study Torah. Each one of us has a list that we use and that's how we ascertain if we're good. But that's not a question, that's not an insight into who we are. That's an insight into what we do. And this time of the year, as we prepare ourselves for Rosh Hashanah, the real question that we should be asking ourselves is, where do I live? Where do I live? What, what does it mean, where do I live? You know what happens. Everybody has a friend like this they generally don't have much to say in a conversation until you get to that one topic that's their pet topic. Either it's their pet peeve or it's their passion, and the next thing, they overrun the whole conversation, and they're going on and on and on and on, and they bring this anecdote and that statistic, and everybody else is bored out of their wits, but this is where that person lives. So the minute you take them into the place where they live, you can see, oh, they're alive. This is where this person Look at that. Look how alive they are. And becomes a phenomenal experience and a phenomenal exposure of who the person is. So as we come up to Rosh Hashanah, the question that we're supposed to be asking ourselves to get ourselves into the right headspace is, where do I live? Do I live in my Judaism? Or is Judaism just something that I do? And of course it's a good thing to do, but it's a far better thing to live. So that's something to reflect on. I don't know if you've got any specific thoughts on that. If you do, I'd love you to share those thoughts with us. Three, four, five, one, nine. That's the SMS line. You can also send a message on Telegram 0618951019. Studio lines are open on 0101403020 and Twitter always taking the lead is at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Shishla. We're talking today about how do you get yourself ready for Rosh Hashanah? How do you get into the right headspace? because there's so much going on, and it's quite likely that we'll just arrive on Sunday the 29th and say, ooh, tonight is Rosh Hashanah. I better get myself into gear. Clearly, people have done all kinds of preparations. We have our guest lists sorted out. We have our menus sorted out. We have our new outfits arranged. That's all great. But to get into the headspace takes a little bit more than that. So the prep that we're supposed to do during the month of Elul, we're told, is the prep of reflection and preparation to look at ourselves, a really good, hard look at ourselves and say, not did I do enough good things or did I avoid bad things. The question really to ask ourselves is where do I live? Where do I live? Is my Judaism something that I do I check in when I've got spare time Because there's so many other things going on in my life And it's somewhere there on the priority list Maybe nowhere near the top Because sure, there's hectic things that I have to take care of All these social expectations and the business pressures And of course I've got to keep healthy So I've got to go to the gym and all the various other things So Judaism can maybe take a little bit of a back seat That's possible, right? Or you could say this is where I live This is where I live I love it. Talk to me about Judaism. You'll see my eyes are going to open and brighten because this is where I live. I once heard a story, and I'm trying to remember the exact context of where the story was. I seem to recall that it was in the communist era, and what happened was... There were people who, over Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, did not go to Shul during the communist era because they had to report to work. If they didn't report to work, the best case scenario is they would lose their job. And the worst case scenario is that they could be arrested and sent off to Siberia on a one-way ticket. And there was some criticism because there were people who made the effort and took the risk and went to Shul. And they had some criticism of the other people who had not gone to Shul. And it came in front of a particular rabbi and I don't recall offhand who the rabbi was. And people were saying, oh, look at this. You see these people. They don't have the resolve and they, they go off to work. And he said, you know what you remind me of? There was a, there was a debate once between two people. There was a fellow who was a chicken farmer and, uh, he, he, he constantly had these chickens disappearing from his farm. Eventually somebody came and accused his neighbor and said the neighbor is the one who's stealing the chickens. And he did a preliminary investigation and pretty much looked like it was probably the neighbor. So he summonsed his neighbor to court. And they stand there in front of the judge, and he's like, you're stealing my chickens. And the neighbor says, what are you talking about? Absolute nonsense. So the judge rules that what you've got to do is you've got to take these chickens. You tie them up, bring them to the court. So they bring a whole lot of these chickens all tied up to the court. And then the judge says, okay, now it's really simple. What you're going to do is you're going to release the chickens And the chickens, by nature, will go to whoever the real owner is. It's just a natural thing. That's where they'll go. And by the same token, this rabbi said, you have to understand that the reason people go to work on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur under the communist regime it's not because that's where they live. It's not because that's where they want to be. It's because they're tired. They have these terrible, terrible pressures on them. That who knows what will happen if they don't report to work. So they're they're literally they're they're tired. They don't have a choice. But if Hashem would release them from that bondage, you know, if he if we'd release their their handcuffs you'd see that they're naturally just going to go back to where they truly live. And that's what this whole period is about. You see, it's not just asking the question, where do I live? Where do I live? Do I live in my Judaism? Is it a lie for me or is it just a, a back burner kind of thing? Because the truth of the matter is that we all live there. Judaism... To, uh, to us, is not, it's not foreign Torah and mitzvah is not foreign It's not something which, I don't really get it I don't really agree with it, I don't really relate to it Yeah, those are all valid points But that doesn't mean it's not where I live I mean, can you imagine a person turning around and saying Listen, I don't really re- relate to the concept of being healthy Yeah, you know, I don't relate to it I don't see why I have to put in all this effort and, and, and have to eat healthy food and exercise and all that kind of thing I don't relate to it Okay, look, you may or may not relate to it, but the the bottom line is that the average person at some point in their life, usually when they were young, was quite healthy. That was your default position. And then because of the way that a person lets themselves go over a period of time, so they move away from health. And the concept of adopting a healthy lifestyle is effectively to bring yourself back to how you were. I mean, we all know this from our own experience, right? There was a time in our life where we were more energetic and we, we were more focused and all the various other things that are associated with good health. And then life happens and we become more stressed and we become more jaded and we don't eat so well and we live a sedentary lifestyle and and, and all these various things. So it's the same kind of thing with spirituality. The month of Elul is a time where we're supposed to say to ourselves, listen, I am uh, maybe not feeling it right now and Rosh Hashanah is around the corner and it's really not, I just wish it wasn't now. How many people feel that way, right? I wish it wasn't now. It's such an inconvenient time. There's just so much going on. It's been such a tough year. I don't really have the headspace to go and sit and chill and through that whole service and listen to the rabbi droning on and having to hear the chauffeur and whatever. I'd much rather just be catching up on my deadlines that loom large. So it's possible. It's possible for a person to say, listen, I'm just not feeling it right now. That's fine. That's an honest assessment. That's an honest reflection. And as we said, Elul is a month of reflection and it's... The only value in in reflection and introspection is only if it's honest. So if a person says, "Listen, I'm honest. I don't really. I'm not really feeling it." We say, "Okay, okay, that's fine." But here's a very important thing that you have to know. Regardless of whether you're feeling it right now or not, it's there. You've got it. It's it's somewhere inside you. It's somewhere inside you. And that's the funny thing. That's why you find that people just rock up on Rosh Hashanah. I was reading an article the other day about this Jewish guy living in some remote place. I think it's called Ken in um in Western Australia, and he's, as far as he knows, the only Jewish person in the whole town. It's a small place. It's got a population, I think, of like 3,000 or something like that. He's the only Jewish person, and he does nothing of of Judaism at all. He doesn't keep anything at all, except except on Yom Kippur. Then he spends the whole day in bed, and he fasts. So nothing else, nothing else, no other semblance of his Jewish identity Accept that. And and it's so funny when people say accept that. No, no, that, that little exception, that's the moment that you get to glimpse who you really are. That's the moment you get to glimpse where you really live. That's the moment where you see this is home. So for one person it's maybe once a year Yom Kippur and for another person it's once in a lifetime when they have a bris or give a bris to their child and for another person it's on a Friday night because that's non-negotiable and for another person it's uh, who knows what. We've all got that particular area of ourselves that says actually this is where I live this is where I truly truly live. Right now where my life has taken me might be a little bit distant from where I live but that's what Rosh Hashanah is about this is where I live so as we come up to this period of time, we could look at it as very onerous and overwhelming, and oh my gosh, there's so many things I have to do, and there's going to be so many holidays, and all that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, it's uh, it's it's where I live. It's actually where I live. And if we start thinking along those lines, that does start to get us into the headspace of Rosh Hashanah, because Rosh Hashanah is really where we live. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla might sound like it's a little bit of a cliche when people use the expression "coming home," uh, but the reality is that it's not such a cliche actually. Um, very often we we use that expression. Maybe, maybe that's what uh, that message somebody sent earlier was all about. With the the girl guy finds girl on the subway and then loses her. <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Um, just trying to see if I can find that again. But the, but that's that's probably where they were going with that. Somebody says over here, if a person is Haredi, show them how far they could possibly fall. If they are a Chabadnik, show them how high they could possibly rise. (laughs) So that's also nice in terms of just getting into the headspace. But I think a very big deal of getting into the headspace is this. Whenever we look towards the towards Judaism generally, and particularly when we look towards these special days on the calendar and we think they're out there, it's, a, it's a, an objective and a goal and something that I have to achieve, something I have to reach. So I'm where I am and the goal is way ahead of me, then it always seems completely overwhelming. But when we recognize that what we're looking for is actually within ourselves, we say this in chapter 27 of Tehillim, which we read during this time of the year, and we say, Bakshu Fonai, look for the Pneumios, look for that which is on the inside. So you're looking for God, look for Hashem's face, also look within yourself. And that's probably the most important thing that a person should be doing at this time of the year in order to get into the headspace. Is not to say, I need to connect with my Judaism as if it is some kind of extraneous Add on that I have, but it's, uh, it's important for us to acknowledge that in, in, in effect, in reality, my Judaism is where I, I live on the inside. It's where, my, it's where my Neshama lives. And what could I be doing to, to feel that and to experience it? And this is the amazing thing about being Jewish. You don't have to do a whole lot. You, don't, you really don't. You just got to do something additional, just something that you weren't doing, you know, for the last period of time or ever in your life. So you've got 11 days from now until Rosh Hashanah. It's a great opportunity to say, you know what, for the next 11 days, I'm going to read a Tehillim every day. Why? Because that will help me remember that this is actually where I live. I, I live in the world of connection to God. Or maybe if it's a person who doesn't put on tefillin every day, so you say, you know what, I'm going to put on tefillin for the next, well, it's not 11 days because two of them are Shabbos. So for the next nine days, I'll put on tefillin that would we'll have to include today. So nine times between, between now and Rosh Hashanah, I'll, I'll put on to fit in. Why? Because that's where I live. Because that's actually where I live. That's my heritage. This is me. This is my soul speaking to who I am. Or maybe what I'll do is... Between now and Rosh Hashanah, I'll take something meaningful to learn and I'll split it up into 11 sessions and learn something for a few minutes each day. It's not about the quantity. It's not about how many things we do or how much time we spend on it. It's about just reminding ourselves and getting our head right that this is where I live. This is who I really am. And by the time Rosh Hashanah comes along, I'd like to be just a little bit more in touch with who I really am. That's how we get ourselves, I think, into the right headspace. So I'd like to extend a brocha. Saturday night is the first night of Slichus, that means that we're preparing for Rosh Hashanah real time, big time, so I give you a brocha, to all of us a brocha, but please God, we should get into a really healthy headspace, feel that we're living connected to Hashem, living connected to our Judaism, and by extension, we should be blessed with a year to come for us and for all of everybody. Shana Tova umesuka a year that is good and sweet. Begashmius uvaruchnius in both the physical and the spiritual sense. Till next week, have a great Shabbos.